Welcome to episode eight of the Let's Get Nuts podcast. Today's guest won a silver medal for Team Canada at the World Under 18 tournament in 2005, named to the WHL Western Conference first all-star team and led the WHL in goals with 48 in 2007-2008, was the 2015-2016 Erstebank Liga MVP, which is the top Austrian pro hockey league and has played 885 pro hockey games in the regular season and playoffs, recording 882 points. I'd like to welcome the Brocket Rocket, Colton Yellowhorn. Yellow, how's it going, buddy? It's going pretty good, Zella. How are you doing? How's, oh, you know, pretty I'm good. Wounded. I see you wounded the wing there, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I wish it was making money playing hockey and not paying to play hockey, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta start wearing all. You gotta start wearing all the pads now, buddy. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna have to. Uh, gonna have to get on that for uh, next year, but that's a next year issue now, I guess. <laughs> okay, I guess so. Hey, you're on the IR too, though. I hear. Yeah, you know, I just have, just, you know, I'm getting old, buddy. You know, to get old, the body starts to break down a little bit here and there. So it's, you know, I missed a couple of games, but start skating again today. So I hopefully play this week again. Nice. You guys getting into playoffs now? I see your team's played like what fifty games. Yeah, we have. I think we have seven games left, eight games left, and then we're in the playoffs. It's it's kind of different here though, right? It's like a home and home in the first round, and it's like a tournament kind of style play for the the top four teams make there. So it's kind of it's nice, but at the same time, you know, I kind of miss that best of seven series, you know, playoff hockey when you get into it. So I was gonna say it's like more of a because yeah, that's a late regular season for European hockey, like. I was wondering, like, eight games left. That seems like a lot, but I guess it makes sense if you're in, like, a tournament-style playoffs and not best of sevens, I guess. Yeah, the, the playoffs are two weekends here, right? And that's that's it. You know, four games total if you make all the finals and stuff. So, I mean, in, in a way, it's good, but at the same time, it's, you know, I like those best. I like the playoffs. You know, everyone plays hockey just for that playoff hockey. Yeah, yeah. It's Every sport has their unique playoff formats, but I feel like the uh, best of seven is the best suit for hockey anyway but oh, no, for sure i agree you know usually the usually the better team wins in the best of seven right and i know it's you, you create rivalries that way and it's just like you know playoff hockey is just more exciting to play and i'm sure it's more exciting to watch as fans too so I, like i said it's a little different but you know the older i get though i mean it could be better that it's not a best of seven right a little less games of the body yeah, 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 fair. That's true. <laughs> um, so obviously you grew up in small town Brockett. Um, for those who don't know, it's a town on the Pecani Nation Reserve. I hope I'm saying that correct. I'm pretty certain I am, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, close enough for sure. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> one thing I didn't even know that you did when you were playing minor hockey that I came across on elite prospects is you played in saskatchewan a year midget yeah yeah no i went to uh so i went to notre dame uh hockey school in saskatchewan there for two years my grade nine year and grade 10 year and then i made the jump to the whl after that but yeah no you know it's it was tough where i'm from like to play the top the best hockey you almost have to move those small towns right so it's something that you know my parents and myself decided to do you know Plus, the year before, I lived in Tabor with Setaguchi and his family. You know, that was that was pretty fun. To, you know, get to live with one of your best friends and then, you know, hang out every day and stuff. You know, we didn't get a lot of schoolwork wasn't getting done, but you know, we had a lot of fun. <laughs> hey, 
Yeah, I hear, I hear you. <laughs> Me and you, I don't think we were either of us were exactly scholars, but uh, oh well, yeah, you I, you had a hockey career, so that's okay, yeah. <laughs> and you still got that's, it. That's, I was pretty good in school. My my parents are pretty strict on school, right? Like that's the one thing they they're strict on is getting good grades and stuff. So I I did well in school, you know. Yeah, oh, that's good. That's good. So like, obviously, you grew up in Lethbridge. Or played minor hockey in Lethbridge a little bit as well, like in Bantam, right? Me? No. Yeah. Oh, you didn't play in Bantam at all? I thought. No, I didn't. You no, tried. So what happened was, yeah, I tried out Bantam there, and I got tried with the Bantam team, got cut, <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of where I went to Notre Dame, and then uh, went to Notre Dame, played Bantam there, you know, had a good year and stuff. They came back, and then I went to try out, like I went to the Hurricanes camp at 15 years old. And they actually, they thought I was 16, so they signed me, and they are like, assigned me a bill and everything. And I was like, one of the meeting, I was like, no, well, don't you have to be 16 to play? And they're like, how old are you? I was like, I'm 15. And then they're like, well, where are you playing this? Where are you going to play this year? I was like, well, I'm going to try out Lethbridge for the AAA. And they're like, and they gave me they gave me pants, helmet, gloves, everything the Hurricanes did to match because it was blue, right? I didn't have that stuff, so they gave it to me. And then I was like, well, do you guys want this back if I get cut? <laughs> and they laughed. They're like, if you get cut, you call us. And then three weeks later, called them and said yeah i just got cut from lethbridge triple a lethbridge mid triple a and they they were shocked and stuff so i was fortunate enough to go back to notre dame for my first year midget and play midget triple a there you know had a really good year i think i led the 15 year olds in scoring that year in the in the triple a league there so it was it was a good time you know like notre dame was i really enjoyed that place i had a lot of fun made a lot of good friends and stuff and you know you get to live with your teammates your friends and stuff and do this education together it was it was good they they have a unreal alumni. Like I, I remember the Telus Cup is the U eighteen AAA, right? That's what it's called, or it that's the like triple A I think so. Yeah, I think so. I'm not hundred percent sure to be honest, but I think I think that's what it's called. They might have changed it now, but I'm pretty sure it's a Telus. It seemed like, a Telus Cup. It seemed like forever Notre Dame was always in the tournament, like always in the finals. They were <laughs> the wagon basically but i yeah i had no idea you even went there until i looked on elite prospects last night because i knew like you got tr- cut from triple a and i knew that story about the hurricanes i didn't realize you were 15 though and they offered you to play and you they had no idea you weren't 16 and old enough and then you go triple yeah, a and get cut like that's just that's crazy yeah i was you know, it was you know, looking back on it now, I think it was a good thing to get caught from those teams. You know, you learned how to handle stuff and handle, like, disappointment, I guess, is the main thing, right? Because everyone thought I was going to make it. And, then, you know, you get, you know, a curveball and, you know, you just got to pick yourself up and go. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to Notre Dame. You know, I went there late both years and I was fortunate enough for them to take me in. So I, it worked out well for me in the end, I think. I was going to say, was it like, was it a tough, decision to make because it was so last minute no uh not really it was you know i wanted to play and i wanted to play the best level i could and i think and that was just happened to be the the option the only option you know like not the only option but the best option that we looked at for me to do you know i was not to move away from home anyway so you know they're good and Notre Dame's known for their schooling and stuff too and a lot of guys get scholarships and stuff but you know we are growing up as a Canadian player, you didn't really think much about NCAA, you know, but going there and stuff, it, it made me open up three more doors and made me start to think about going to NCAA, but, you know, in the end, I ended up chosen one of the Hurricanes. 
Yeah, and obviously it worked out for you with with everything. I mean, so you get cut from midget, you end up going to Notre Dame or midget and Lethbridge anyway, you end up going to Notre Dame and then play for the Hurricanes as a 16-year-old. One of the craziest things to me that I still can never understand, and I, I mean, I kind of understand, but I don't still because you were 5'7", but I I had to double check again last night and of draft eligible players in the CHL in the lockout year, nonetheless, where the NHL, they didn't play a single game that year, 2004, 2005. You were fourth in points among draft eligible players. The only names ahead of you, Gilbert Brule, Bobby Ryan, and Sidney Crosby. And I still cannot believe you didn't get drafted that year. Like, I don't what the hell goes through yeah. your mind in that situation? I don't know, man. It was, I mean, like you said, the lockout year. So they, they, that's when they changed the whole draft. They went down to seven, seven rounds and stuff. And, you know, and they put it later. And I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I thought I was going to get drafted, but, you know, it's kind of shocking not to. But at the same time, it's, you know, like in that era, you had to pretty much be a big forward or whatever, or like you had to be super, super fast, really skilled and stuff. You know, there's a few guys that like, you know, changed and stuff, and you know, it just made me want to work harder the next year, right? You know, and so I had, I got to go to Edmonton's camp that summer, actually, which was you know a big eye opener. It really showed, like, you know, I wasn't quite ready to like make that jump and stuff. Like, I mean, I obviously played in the NHL, but just to see those guys, like how big and strong they were and stuff like that, you know, it just it's nice to be there and realize that, you know, maybe I am not working hard enough in the summer. You know, maybe I do need to train a little harder and stuff. So, well. It's funny you say like, yeah, they're bigger and maybe stronger, obviously, when you're 18 going into a camp like that. But like one thing I know about you that a lot of people probably don't know is how strong you actually are. Like I've never seen a guy strip guys off pucks. I know it's summer skate, but holy shit, like you very rarely lose a battle and you're always stripping guys of pucks and whatnot. And I, I think that's honestly like, for people who don't really know you, that's probably one of your best skills is like how strong you really are <laughs> for a guy who's five foot seven, five foot eight. Right. Yeah. I will say five, eight, you know, so yeah, no, like, <laughs> but uh, I think it's just, it's just growing up in the farm, right. Growing up on the ranch and having to do stuff every day with my dad and stuff like that. It really helped, you know, and when I was younger, I, I did a lot of sports outdoors and stuff. So I did a lot of different things. And like I said, a lot of labor at the ranch and stuff like that really helped. You know, I was able to get stronger, I think, quicker than most most kids my age were able to. So it it was good, you know, like, yeah, you know, it's, I think you take pride in battles, right? That's one thing you take pride in. You don't want to lose a battle out there, you know, like it's you versus somebody else. So, you know, and that's, I just took, I took a lot of pride in that stuff growing up. And I still do now, you know, but like I said, as I'm getting older, it's, starting a little harder you know these younger guys are you know they they start training a lot younger and stuff and you know some of the things i used to train i can't train the same way now because i'm like you know my body's starting to break down and stuff so i gotta do things a little bit different it it's kind of like uh you don't want to lose that battle when you're wrestling a calf to put it down and need yeah. it to get branded right <laughs> oh man i don't want to get kicked or anything like that right so it's, <laughs> yeah no it's but like uh, when I was younger, I used, I used to shoot a lot of pucks, and I think that's where like my wrist strength and stuff came from. Like I used to shoot like five hundred to eight hundred pucks every day. Like I, that's something I enjoyed doing, right? That's what I would do. I go there and shoot pucks all day, all night, and stuff. And I think I did that a lot more than I think 
some kids did, you know, when, when I was younger and stuff. But at the same time, you know, our, you talk about summer skates, but we had a great group of guys like growing up. We had like, I think in our group, 87, 86, 88, I think there's 10 guys out of that have played professional for more than five years. And I watched four made the NHL. Yeah, that's... a couple more. I've played games in NHL, right? So it's so our summer skates got pretty intense, you know. Like you, well, you know, all of us were kind of psychos when we go up there, you know. It gets a little intense, start slashing each other and stuff. You know, we had a couple fights in summer skates, which you know you shouldn't have, but that's just how it gets. It it is crazy to me. Like <coughs> I try and tell people now, and they don't understand because it's so different. But like 10, 15 years ago, the skates in Lethbridge were like you had to play pro hockey to be in the top skate. And now it's like, if you play junior hockey, you can be in the top skate, basically. Like the amount of talent that was in Lethbridge for those years was ridiculous. And you're right. Like summer skates, I was like, are they actually fighting for the, when I watched the first times, like, like I'm trying to think in general, I mean, Spencer Mahachek's a competitor. He's always kind of into it and that's always been his game. Right. And then like, like Chris and Rob would always be slashing one another. And like, yeah, like it just, it's just like, that's just how you guys grew up and how it was. I mean, regardless that you're all buddies off the ice, you always wanted to beat each other, whether it be summer skate or in pro hockey. Right. Yeah. No, like, and the summer skates now are way different than when we were like, we, we go out there and play four and four for an hour. Yeah. Right. And that, that was our summer skates. Right. Now it's like, I mean, I, it's it's awesome to change. And people, kids are like working on edge work and stuff like that, and doing stick kind of stuff. You know, it's different. But like, we used to get the old, the older, older, older pros would call us and be like, "Hey, we got ice at Nicholas Sharon, eleven o'clock. You know, all you guys come, we're playing. We're gonna play four and four. So like, five, ten dollars, you go and you play for an hour. And that, that was our, that was our summer skates. You know, and, but now it's like, it's crazy different now to see. But I mean, it's changed the game in a good way as well. Yeah, and it's so it's funny you talk about the older guys. Like I hear stories. I'm, I'm trying to think. Well, like Ruff, right? Was Ruff yeah. out there skating with you guys? And like Gillum, Mahalko, 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 yeah, uh, McNevin, I guess. And uh, yeah, yeah, like and it was like you guys would go out there and they'd almost like beat you guys, right? Because <laughs> like oh, yeah. trying to, but yeah. it was good for you guys. It's so different. You yeah. like it's so different like and i when i say beat it's not in a bad way it's just that's how it was back then right like oh they they helped they abused us they abused us (laughs) cross check slash but you couldn't do anything right because that's just the respect you have when they're pros they earned it right so you just you just you just accepted it you know like skate away but you go home you have to ice you have to ice your wrist and stuff because you get slashed for 45 minutes an hour in a summer skate right it was crazy (laughs) Uh, no no that's that's just yeah that's just how it was it's so different now like it's crazy how how different the game is now like even even i watched some replays of like 2010 2008 it's like it's tenfold what it was like it's not even close to what it was back 10 15 years ago man yeah no like i remember my 17 year old and junior we used to play met hat and i I don't know if you remember steve marr yeah (laughs) <laughs> and uh his game at deep partner blanche i used to play against like we played 14 times a year right yeah. i used to be scared to go in the corner in front of that with steve mar man that guy he was so good at like cross like hitting the right places and then it was like oh my every game you played like oh god i just play against steve mar for 25 minutes tonight this is gonna be you, you knew you're coming out hurt <laughs> yeah well and 
back to that season, like that year, obviously as a 17 year old, you, you talk about the rivalry in Med Hat and I still, I mean, I can picture this and I'll never forget for the rest of my life probably is growing up. I always probably once or twice a year, at least I go to Madison hat and watch the hurricanes. And it felt like, I mean, that building there, I've talked about numerous times. They'll never be a team with as much home ice advantage as probably the Tigers had in that building. But like, oh my God. it didn't matter how bad their team was that in that building, they would just, and they never had a bad team in the years you played, but like that, the bounces they knew off that rink, the, how on top the fans were onto the ice and how loud it was in there. And they just like, they, it was like abuse in that rink. Every time there was, there's fights, there is whatever. And I remember going in there as an away fan, like a kid and you're getting like, it just, it was terrifying. And then I remember that game. What I was going to get to is I'll never forget that game where you got neon need. Was it Blanchon who neon need you? I'm not even sure who it was, but yeah, hell broke loose after that. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, right off the next face off live brawl Seabrooks. Yeah. did a fight on a different live brawl. It was just like, it was, and then Keatley and Sorchan went to center and skated yeah. off. And I remember just like, I'm in my hurricane Jersey as like a 10 year old, just <laughs> putting my hood up, trying not to just be terrified in that ring. <laughs> Oh yeah, man. That was. Oh yeah, I remember that game. That was. It got out of hand real quick after that knee on knee, and then I think it's three line brawls, and you know, I mean, we're, Maisie had some guy. <laughs> oh, back uh, to that guy. Well, and we should touch on that too, because his uh, his passing was a year ago on Saturday, I believe it was, and I mean, you you should tell story a story or two about him because obviously it's kind of the anniversary of his passing and just how much he meant to you and how much he taught you guys physically, really, because he wasn't the most talented player, but boy, was he a tough guy, right? Oh, man, he was the most jacked I've ever seen. Like, it was nuts, man. But he was awesome, man. Like, that's why I moved to Tabor. I lived the Seattle. Like, Maisie, like, took us under his wing and, like, you know, he was like a big brother of us, protected us and stuff, you know? Like, no one messed with us and stuff. And he did that throughout our all, like, our whole like growing up, right? He 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 went to Lethbridge. We all went to Lethbridge, you know. And every night, and every time we went out, he was always with us and stuff. He'd take, look after us, you know. It's lippy sometimes with guys like Chris and we'll get and stuff like that, you know. And Maisie is always right there, and he always give us a hand, help us if you if you need something, just call him up, and he'll be there in a heartbeat, you know. Like nicest guy in the world. Like we'd do anything for you, you know. Like I miss him, man. It's just you know, it's unfortunate what happened, you know. Like he was he was a great guy, you know. I wish. I wish I was able to, you know, maybe see him. I get to see him for a year or two before his passing. You know, I kind of wish I would have got to see him and stuff again. But you know, I got nothing but great praise for that guy, man. He he would always pick me up and stuff because I didn't have a car, so he'd pick me up. We'd go for cruises, you know, bring me out for dinners and stuff like that. Just make sure it was okay, you know, just asking me how you are and stuff like that. He was he was awesome. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I didn't know him like you guys did, but uh as tough of a guy as he was he like his heart was literally he was a night one of the nicest guys in the world like he even me he barely knew me he just knew me growing up as a little hurricane super fan and he just to me whenever he saw me come to a hurricane probably went to a hurricane every other year to up till his passing and 
he uh i'd see him once in a while and he'd he'd stand there and you'd have a 10 minute conversation with him it's not just like a quick wave high like you stand and talk to him for 10 minutes nicest guy in the world i mean but yeah, you, you get him in a certain area and he, he uh, like, especially on the ice, like that was like, almost like a, uh, if he got into a fight, it was almost like a boxing cage for him. Like, oh man, I've never oh. seen a guy beat, beat the wheels off guys like Sean Maisie could for a guy oh. who was your size, basically. Uh, he's a little big. He's like 5'10", but he was like, man, he, he could pack a punch. Like he was like, yeah, he was, he was, he was tough. He was nail. He was. He's definitely one of the toughest guys I've ever seen, for sure. Yeah, well, I remember Trevor Hardy saying, like, there's when he'd hold the boxing gloves for Sean, he almost had to get new shoulders after it every time. Oh yeah, man! You you hear him hold the pads? You hear him hold the pads? It was like it was like you kicking the pads when he's punching. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, just a uh, a specimen for sure. So obviously. That that being your 17-year-old year playing with Maisie and having that incident miss and hat, not getting drafted. But one thing that really was cool probably for you was playing for Team Canada at the U18s. And what was it like playing for Canada? Obviously, end up some of those guys go on to some unreal careers, some of them turning into superstars in the NHL. I mean, Chris Letang, one of the guys I noticed on your team. But uh, what was it like playing in that tournament where you scored a couple goals, right? Yeah, it was it was fun, you know. Like I was, I didn't know like because you know in that tournament it's either you don't make the playoffs or you lose on the first round, and then you get to go. So we lost out to, in the first round, and you know I was pretty down about that. But then, you know, that I got to call him like a day or two later and ask if I wanted to go, and it was it was awesome. It was a great experience, and we were in check. It was it was awesome, treated really well and stuff. And yeah, like got to play like Derek Broussard, Carey Price, you know those guys. Like some guys, you know still playing in the NHL and stuff like that. Chris Tang, for example, like, you know, he was, he was awesome and stuff. And uh, it was awesome, man. Get that experience and, you know, always get the, when you had that maple leaf on front of your sweater, man, that's, that's a huge thing, you know, and that's one thing I'll always cherish. And I can always say I got to play for Team Canada, you know, one of the events. That, uh, yeah, that's so cool. And that's another thing too. I didn't like until a few years ago, I, I don't know if I just drew a blank or what, but I didn't even realize you played for, Canada at the U18s, which is such a that's such a cool experience, I'm sure, to get to play for your country and an event like that, especially as a First Nations guy, right? Doesn't happen too often. Yeah, yeah no, it was awesome. Yeah, like you know, First Nations guys get to play in that kind of tournament and stuff. You know, it was awesome. You know, I'm hopefully like you know, I see now there's more and more kids coming from the First Nations playing you know higher level hockey and stuff. You know, I think you know when I grew up there wasn't a whole lot. You know, so like and now you know I think and the games change. You know, it's the racism and everything has changed a lot more like when we grew up it was it was pretty bad at some some places you know but it, i'm glad it's changing you know and the kid, more kids are leaving the reserve to go play hockey and you know and pursue a career well and i i still think and it's i know me and you can touch on but some people it probably be touchy to touch on but like i still think a big part of probably why you weren't drafted that year back then was probably to do with first nations was it not like i mean you're four i don't care who you are if you're fourth best player or fourth best point per game as a draft eligible player you're getting drafted i don't care what your career ends up being that is just like to me that is still one of the most like messed up things i have ever heard yeah you know i, I don't know if it did if it does have 
thing to play there, but you know, you never know. Like I said, it, the games change and stuff. I don't want to use that as an excuse, you know. But like, yeah. like when we were growing up, like we were always like me and my buddy talked about this. Brent Dodge and Horse, he played for the Hitman stuff, you know, they won the Mem, Mem Cup and stuff with them. And we actually touched base one the other day. Like when we were growing up, you were taught to not speak up, right? Like if you know, you're just taught to shut up, keep your head down, move forward. You know, as a First Nation, you're taught not to. Not to you know stir the pot or anything, and now and I'm glad now it's changing where kids are speaking up, you know, and stuff like that happens. They are speaking up where, like I said, when we grew up, it was like, don't, like, don't, don't speak up, like, you know, you're make. It's just one, it's one knock against you already. You don't want another one, so just you know, keep your head down, keep working hard. And so, but I, like I said, it's, it's, I'm glad it's changing. It's, it's good to see the change in hockey, every sport, not just hockey, right? And, I mean, even in the world, just the racism is going down and stuff. It's good to see, you know, and I'm glad we're, everyone's talking about it and stuff now. And it's good. That's the way to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I mean, the, the cool thing too is so obviously <clears throat> talk about Carrie Price being on your U18 team and you end up getting traded to Tri City and playing with him in Tri City, obviously. What was it like playing with Carrie and? to kind of have that in common and being teammates with Tri-City. It was awesome. Carey Price, man, like one of the hardest working guys I've ever played with too. Like he would get, he would snap on your practice. There was a rebound and he didn't try on the rebound stuff. He would lose it. Like he was just a competitor, like, and just a great guy too. Like just unbelievable guy off the ice. And, you know, it was, yeah. And like having that first nation, I think we instantly connected, even with team Canada, we went to team Canada together. Like, I think that kind of brought us together right away, being both being First Nations and stuff like that, right? Because before that, I didn't know, I didn't never talk to him and stuff. And then, you know, playing Team Canada, we became really good friends and stuff. And then, like I said, just fortunate enough, it worked out. I got to play for him for a year in junior and stuff. So it was, he's awesome. He's a great guy. Like, I have nothing but respect and praise for that guy. You know, he's the, he's one of the guys that's done it for the First Nations. You know, like, being one of the best, probably the best goaltender in the world there for four or five years, you know, probably considering stuff and just showing that, you know, a little hard work you can make it anyone can make it no matter your background yeah just really you're right he was hands down to me it was, it's not even a question he was the best goalie in the nhl for four or five years there for sure and it's unfortunate that they could never build really a great team around him like yeah i mean they had some okay teams but really without Carey price i bet half those teams aren't even making the playoffs that did make the playoffs so he he he's such a good goaltender and it's for you to get to play with him that must have been pretty awesome yeah yeah he's yeah he's just a great guy too man like just in general you know he signed that year and stuff too and he you know brought all the guys over Diz and Diz and stuff like that you know like you know junior you're making your like 120 dollars every two <laughs> weeks or whatever right you know seven 16 year olds you're making 68 dollars every two weeks 68 68 or 78 every two every two weeks right <laughs> yeah. go very far. <laughs> no, it, it, I mean it went further back when you played than it does now. That's for sure. I mean, now hundred and twenty bucks. Like, good luck making it through almost two days with hundred and twenty bucks. Never mind two weeks. But oh yeah, especially with gas now, right? Like back then, you put ten dollars in your gas tank and it, it last you two weeks, right? And yeah, now, last you maybe last you a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very, very true. So. When you got traded to Tri-City, though, that must have came as a bit of a surprise, right? I mean, and probably a bit of a tough couple of days there because you're playing basically in your hometown. It's the closest you're going to get to playing in Brockett. Um, you have, I can remember it perfectly. You had buses come in in droves for games to watch you play your junior hockey. And then you go to Tri-City, a team that 
really only came to play in Lethbridge maybe well it wasn't even once a year and it still isn't once a year it's once every other year so what was the adjustment like at first for getting trade and what exactly ended up causing that trade you know uh, I don't know exactly know what caused the trade I think they're just trying to you know, I got a new GM and stuff, and he's trying to put his own stamp on the team. He got rid of, like, all of us. Like, there's, like, five or six of us left in, like, my 16-year-old, 17-year-old year. And he ended up getting rid of all of us that year or within the next, right? So, but uh, I was actually at Toronto, Toronto Maple Leafs camp. And I, at my exit interview, when I was leaving, they were like, we're going to keep it on you. You know, you have to look at camp, so I'm going to keep it on you wherever you end up playing this year. And I was like, what do you mean wherever I end up playing? So, I kind of like, okay, so maybe they must know something that I don't. So, I got back and... I got back two days later. I got the call in the office and said, "Yeah, we trade you to Tri Cities." You know, it was it was good. You know, playing my hometown was a lot of fun. But I think going to Tri Cities was a great thing that happened to me. You know, because at home you got you you got these teammates and you got your close friends. You know, you got to you're always getting pulled one way or direction. Where you know, and sometimes I think it it affected my play. But going to Tri Cities, like you're there just to play hockey. You know, and it was great organization. Like loved it. Like treated you first class. Anything you wanted, you needed, they got. You know, it was. I, I really enjoyed playing in Tri City. I enjoyed being away from home. You know, I think I was too close to home for too long. You know, and like I said, a lot of distractions when you're in your hometown. People realize that, so it was nice to you know be away and just be able to focus on hockey. Well, it's fight because I remember. I mean, you're 16 to 18 year old when you were in Lethbridge, and I played hockey, minor hockey, growing up with your billet and. It's just funny that I, I remember to this day, I never thought we'd end up being as close friends because yeah. I'm just this annoying little kid who's out at your house while you're trying to get a pregame nap in and I'm playing street hockey outside and yeah. coming in and out of the house, probably interrupting your pregame nap yeah. over and over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> back then, back then when I fell asleep, I was out cold, you know? So <laughs> nothing was waking me up. Nothing was waking up in a pregame nap, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, and... But, I mean, you go to Tri-City, from everything I've been told, you literally might have saved that organization. I I don't know. I've never been to a game in Tri-City. But just from what people have said, I mean, single-handedly, you almost beat the Spokane Chiefs in the postseason in 2008. You had, what, was it 15 or 14 points that year in, in the Western Conference Final against the Chiefs? Oh, uh, I think I had 10. I think I had 10. It was, it was like all our games. It was defensive overtime, like two. Yeah, it was like, I think five of the seven games went to double overtime and they were like two, one or one, nothing games. Like it was just, a, it was a, it was a battle. That was like the hardest series I've ever been a part of. It was just like, it was a grind. Like every inch was like a grind to get there, you know, it was some of the best. I think it was, it was awesome. Like I said, you know, and it was nice because they were our rival there too. And they, I think we finished that year with 104 points and they finished like 102 or 103 right behind us. Right. So it was, it was awesome. Like, you know, my best friend got playing Spokane too. So you know, have to play him a bunch of times and stuff. It was, it was great, man. Like that rivalry is, is crazy. Like you go to Spokane's barn, it's 10,000 people sold out every time we played there. And our barn was like 4,500, 5,000 sold out. And, yeah, the, you know, when I first got them, when I got traded there, I was actually kind of upset because, like, the year before, I think they won nine games or something like that. They were, like, one of the worst teams, you know. And then we got there, you got, they made a couple other trades, and, you know, we ended up, I think we, my ninth, my first year there, I think we ended up with 42 wins or something like that. And then we had 50, 51 the next year. So it was, it was awesome. Like, yeah, it was, we just, and then I think after that, after that, they've, 
think they won that division five or six years in a row after I left too, right? So I think they just no one really wanted to go there. I think when I was, you know, and then you know we you start winning games, and I think more players like they would listen stuff, want to go and stuff like that. So yeah, no, it's it's a great organization. I would I have nothing but respect for that organization. The way they treated me and everything, my family, every time my family came down, you know, they treat them great and stuff like that. So that's awesome. No, and yeah, I. I Correct me if I'm wrong, but like looking at that roster you played on on Tri City too, like it it goes to show how how I know you're not going to admit it, but how dominant you were in that series because I look at that roster and besides you and Carey Price, no one has really went on to like great pro careers or as long as you or as big as stars as you. you and Carrie turned into so and you look at that Spokane roster they're they got like 10 guys that played in the NHL so I mean it just goes to show how dominant you really were in that series yeah they were they were stacking they were they're definitely the favorite to win like I mean I think we were we were both in the top five in the CHL standings all year like you know up and down and stuff like that but yeah they were they made some big deals with the deadline too to get two like great players that they needed and like they just that just put them over the top did did you and Judd have some good uh, battles in that series? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We we played a lot against each other actually. Like you know, top two lines going at it, and yeah, it was a war. Like you know, it was it was fun. You know, and the best thing that happened was I know we lost him. It sucked, but I'm glad like he won, and I'm glad they went on to win the. I'm so happy that he won the Mav Cup. You know, that's I'm, that's a great achievement. It was awesome to see him do it. And the funny thing is, so when we lost, they went to Lesbridge and they swept Lesbridge in the finals. And I was at the game in the game four, and I got to go on the ice and celebrate with Judd. It was just kind of funny. Like, you know, they trade me, and then I lose out to Spokane, but I'm on the ice, you know, celebrating their title with them and stuff. So, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> That's great. Oh, and it's it's cool that you and Judd have got to play pro hockey together, too, in places. And, I mean, a lot of times even you've played against each other in pro still. So to have that with a guy you grew up as a childhood best friend, really, I mean – to get that opportunity and junior to play against one, each, one another and then to go on and pro hockey and have that too, right? Oh, yeah, no, for sure. You got to play against them a few times in, like, leagues over here. And then, like I said, we got to play two seasons together as well. So that's awesome. You know, you get to play with your best friend. Like said, guy you grew up with doesn't happen very often. So it's awesome. And, you know, he's, his career has been just as long as mine. And, you know, we both, you know, both went junior at the same time and kind of grew up together and, you know, figured this, this hockey, figured the hockey out together, right? You know, how to, you know, like all the, the pro and stuff and like how to like, you know, where to go and stuff like that, agencies and stuff like that. You know, it's just it's nice to have someone going through the same thing as you at the same time. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome that how that went. And, and then I the one thing I have to ask you, because I've heard this story before, but I don't know exactly how it goes. Something to do with there was fitness testing in Tri-City. And you said, I don't know if this is your exact words, but. Did you say I don't bench press fifty goals and you scored forty eight no. that year and didn't play five games? <laughs> no, I didn't say it. No, that was uh, <laughs> that was somebody else on the team. I don't want to say names, you know. Like he's a good friend, but yeah, he's like, he's like, I don't bench press the puck out of that. And it was the funniest thing I ever heard. He got up there, did one bench press, and got off, and I was crying laughing. It was so funny. He's like, I would do bench press the puck out of the net, and I was crying laughing. That was the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, it was, it, it was at the end of the year in the defense. So, like, I mean, oh, okay, it, wasn't, okay. 
doesn't really matter, right? Like at the end of the year, no one's like really no. like they're just seeing for the next year, right? So <laughs> Oh, that's that's uh, it was it's pretty funny. So you finish out your twenty year old year in Tri City and then you go on to play pro hockey and a bit of an adventure your first year, right? You go over to Austria to play in the evil, which you probably didn't know at the time you were going to end up going over there again later on in your career. But uh, what was that first pro season like? Obviously, you left evil and went to uh, Elmira. Is it Elmira? Is that how you say it? Elmira. Elmira. Okay. I've never even heard of it, to be honest, until I saw that. So, well, not, much, not much there. <laughs> I was going to say, I never heard of that. So what was the, what was the first year like with uh, a little bit of, I guess, travel and transferring teams and stuff well you know being a smaller guy i always like i always started to think about europe when i was younger like 16 17 stuff i always figured europe would be an option right so you know like i had a couple like two-way deals with the ahl east coast team but i was like this you know i mean like usually when you sign those i heard from people that you used to end up on the coast anyways so i was like you know what I got a really good offer in Austria. I got to play for set. The biggest selling was playing for Red Bull, right? I got to play with Salzburg yes. Red Bulls. Like, so like, you know what I mean? I was like, okay, yeah, for sure. Young kid, I'll play for Red Bull, 100%. Yeah. And then, you know, I started off well. Started off the season really well and stuff. And then I got really sick in October. Like, and I, I lost like 25 pounds. I got, they couldn't figure it out. I went to specialist stuff. I got really sick. And then January, I started, I finally got healthier. I started skating again, stuff like that. And I'd only played 10 games. So, you know, it was my first year pro. And I was like, I was thinking in my head, well, I need to play more games or I'm not, might not get a contract next year anywhere. So, and they only had like five games left in, in, in February. So I was like, well, you know, I'm going to come back to the East Coast. I'm going back to Elmira, playing the East Coast and stuff. And yeah, it was my first couple of years wasn't like, the pro years I wanted to have, I, I thought my pro career style was a little bit better, but I'm glad, you know, I had those setbacks and stuff like that. You know, I played with like three different teams in the first, no, four different teams in the first two, two years. So then, and then, uh, the white Mullins actually down in Texas gave me a call after I got, I got cut from Stockton Thunder and East coast and I was flying home. Then he called me and was like, Hey, why don't you come down to Allen? And I was like, I don't know, man. Like I'm just going to go to school. I was like, I, I can't, like, I've just been traded, got caught, like, you know what I mean? Maybe it's just go to school and stuff. And and he's like, no, no, he's like, we're not going to cut you or do anything like that. Like, come down, like, and we're going to work with you. Like, we're going to try, like, so it was awesome. And, you know, he, I, I was just, if I could see him, I got to thank him. He saved my, he saved my career for sure. Like, just with the way he talked to me and, like, he helped me and stuff like that. He's actually from Vauxhall, Alberta. So it was. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So that that's how, like, I think that. So he called me and, like, yeah, he, he's like, he's. Because I, I honestly wasn't going to go. And he's like, yeah, we're not going to trade anything. We're going to work with you. Don't worry. Like, you're going to stay here for the whole year. We promise you that and stuff. And, and so that made my decision a little easier to continue the professional career. First off, what was it like in Stockton? Because I feel like when you were there, that town would have been sketchy. Like, very. You don't want to go a lot of places besides the just to the rink. Oh, yeah. I was only there for a month. But, yeah, they – uh. They're like, don't go across, you don't go to this area. So he basically just stayed where, you know, where you, you lived. And then there's they had a couple of golf courses, we go golf that and stuff. But yeah, for the most part, yeah, you didn't do a whole lot there. Did you, what, uh, what courses did you play? Do you remember what they're called? I put, when I was there, I played Stockton Country Club and Riverside, I want to say it's called. Is that... I'm not even, you know, I'm, I'm not oh, even sure. I was so long ago. Like I, I couldn't tell you which courses. <laughs> I'll be honest. 
I was expecting a lot more when I was golfing in California than those two courses. <laughs> oh, for sure. No, it's absolutely. Just all the town, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but Alan, I've heard nothing but great things about Allen, Texas, and to get to play there for a few years. Obviously, you mentioned how much that guy changed your career, but what was it? What was it like playing in Allen? Allen was awesome. I love that city, man. That was awesome. Like organizations first class like it was awesome they're in the central that at that time right so it's a little bit older like the central is a little bit older the east coast is more the younger guys coming out of junior and stuff and then the younger pros and then the central is more like the older guys because we make more money in the central than we do in the coast so yeah but no man like we had great apartments and stuff like we had four or five golf courses in golf at it's in golf year round too right so it was awesome like fans are good and stuff too and yeah i love that place man like <laughs> I'd love to, if I could, I'd go, if I could have played my whole career there, I would have. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they turned into a good team in the East coast too. Like when the central, like kind of merged with the coast, yeah. the central like folded basically. But once there, yeah. some of those cities moved and those teams moved up to the coast, like they won the coast a couple times there. Did they not? Yeah. They won their, their first year in the coast. They ended up winning it. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. I mean, like you yeah. say, you say the central at that time was probably better than the coast when you played. But I mean, I think at the time it was like when they merged up, it was almost people thought the opposite, right? Like a lot of people were like the coast is higher end than the central. Yeah, no, for sure. Everyone thought that like the teams that went from the central to the coast were going to get walked over, you know, and it was good to see that, like, you know. It finally got it finally got a little respect, you know, for yeah. those guys to like come in and win the win the league the first year. Well, and one thing a lot of people don't realize too is, for this would be for the younger listeners, like in their early twenties, trying to listen to this, or even around my age, is how many pro leagues there were in North America, and it would have just been dying off when you got into pro hockey. But I mean, you had the IHL, you had the I think it was the UHL, you had. Uh, you still had the SPHL and there was the CHL. I mean, there was so many different pro leagues it, before now, whereas it's basically just, you got the NHL, the AHL, the ECHL. And I mean, you have the SPHL, but really, I don't know if that would be considered like, yeah, it's pro hockey, but it's, there's a lot of, I wouldn't say it's complete pro hockey, you know? So it's like, there was so many pro leagues back then. Right. Oh my God! There's like yeah, like you said, but the UHL and stuff, FHL, like yeah, there were so many different like leagues, right? Like, but like, you know, obviously, like the East Coast was it was it was always the NHL, AHL, East Coast, right? That was the the three that you wanted to play in. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, you did end up playing in the East Coast after Allen in the Central League, and eventually led to playing in with in Ontario with the Rain and playing with your buddies for. Those of you who don't know, it's Ontario in California, not in Canada. Yeah. And I'll tell you one thing, it's probably a heck of a lot nicer. <laughs> I've never been there, but from hearing from you guys, it's probably one of the nicest spots you could play in pro hockey, right? Oh, it was awesome. Like, it was sunny all the time, 20, 20 degrees Celsius every day of the year, a minimum, you know. And that was that was probably the funnest year of hockey I think I've ever had, was playing there. Like there was five of us from Lethbridge, I think, that were on that team. <laughs> and, and it was there's a lockout year. Sataguchi came down, man. It was we had so much fun together, man. 
Well, because you had for the Lethbridge guys, it was you, uh, Brock Sheehan, Brody Sheehan, Everett Sheen, and was yeah. Devin the fifth one? Devin Saguchi? Yeah, yeah, Devin was the fifth one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean that. That's yeah. That would just be awesome. And I, I know there's one guy you were really good buddies with on that team who wasn't a Southern Alberta guy. I mean, I'm sure every hockey team you're kind of buddies with everyone, but that Mario Lamaru, right? He was was he your centerman? Oh yeah, Lammy. Yeah, I, well, that guy was. He was one of the funniest guys I've ever played with, man. He was like, oh, he was. He was just so funny. Yeah, he was awesome. Like you know, we still stay in touch now to this day and stuff. But yeah, no, he was. He was awesome. A great player too. You know, like obviously, he's the captain at, at Notre Dame, North no North Dakota and stuff. And like you know, he's just a great all around player. He didn't get twenty five goals as a rookie that year. Wow, like he was yeah, good. Yeah, he was a good player. Yeah, it was uh, the beginning of the year. Like we, I didn't play a lot, but I think in. We got put together in December, me, Brody, and Lamaru, and we had uh we had a great we had an amazing January. I think we when we had we what we won nine games. I think we scored eight of the game winners and stuff and we had fifteen games that year. I ended up with fifteen goals that uh month and stuff. It was awesome. But you know, Brody's a pass first kind of guy. Lam is just a great two way. So it was just it was just clicked and just work, you know, and like we're good friends off the ice, we're always hanging out and stuff. So it just it just clicked. That, yeah, that, I, it does. Honestly, it, it is one of those things where if you're buddies with a guy, you, I think you, as much as you have that drive to try and make a click with every linemate, I think when you're buddies with a guy, it probably makes it a little also easier to click, but it's, you have that extra drive to make it click, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, because you don't want to help each other succeed. Right. So like you said, you know, like, you try to make it with everyone, but once you get to play with your buddy, you know, it's, it's, it seems a lot funner, you know, playing the same line as your buddy and stuff. And like you said, you really want it to work. So I think you guys get a little extra effort in like some of those little situations, you know, a little, like a little extra drive, I'd say. Yeah, you're right. So, so I had Devin on and uh, he told that story about him playing over Brody the one time. Oh, man. <laughs> I'd like to hear yeah, it from so your funny. side because you're just a mutual side guy to that can kind of third person point of view so if you can uh elaborate on that story a little more even yeah well it's a lockout year right Devin's like he just came to play and he's like tell the coach i don't want to play i was i only play if i don't play over my boys <laughs> i was like all right so yeah i'm coming down and then i don't know one day like coach like scratch brody played Devin. and it was just brody lost it like he just snapped man i was you know, Brody guys, it was so funny, man. He's like lost, it. and Devin's like, I, I don't know what to do, man. Like, I told him, I specifically told him this and that, but you know, the coach wants to win, right? And you know, Brody, he didn't have the best start to the season, so you know, you know I mean, I understand why. But then, you know, Devin, Devin didn't play a whole lot with us. He more, more or less, just practiced with us. I think he only played eight games or something like that. Like, he was just basically there to hang out and just stay in shape and practice and stuff. Like, he never didn't go on the road. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was. And then once Brody got back in the lineup and then he made, he started playing really well and, you know, he stuck in there. So, okay. yeah, I know that first, that first game he got scratched, he, he lost it. It was hilarious. Like Brody, Brody's pretty funny when he, when he snaps, man, it was, he was calling Chris and losing it. I was, it was pretty funny. I was rooming with him too. So I could just, just hear it. <laughs> oh, I, I can just imagine like, I love Brody to death, but I can just imagine the, the situation of how that that goes like I, I could I could literally I mean anyone who knows him could probably picture his reaction when it happened but it just like I one thing I didn't realize I thought but it makes sense because the NHL resumed play 
in yeah. whatever that was, early February, end of January, whatever. But I, see, I thought it was while Brody was playing well and Devin came into the lineup. I didn't realize it was early December when you guys weren't aligned yet or weren't yeah. on fire yet. Yeah, no, we weren't aligned yet. This is like, this is like, I think it was November, November ish. Because like the coach starts a little later. I think it starts in October. So it was like 10 games in. It wasn't like, yeah, once he started playing well, then like he, he stuck in there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Like, what are the odds of that? It had to be Brody. I got took it out. <laughs> it could be oh, any no. guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So funny. <laughs> oh, man. He's probably, he probably, he probably won't laugh about it, but yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> no. And like, like now he probably, he's got a good career outside hockey's. I mean, yeah. you might have a little chuckle about it, but yeah. I mean, at the time it was not funny at all. Like it was like, no, you asked, like really bad. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, like for anyone sure. would be though. Right. Like you're getting yeah. your people don't, a lot of people who just work a Monday or Friday job don't understand. That's literally your guys' job. Like, yeah, hockey's a fun oh, yeah. thing for some people to play, but and it's fun for you guys probably most of the time when you're playing hockey, but it's still your job. And if someone takes your job, you're not going to be happy. And I mean, I totally understand where his frustration weighed. Oh, no, for sure. Like said, yeah, it's, it's a job, right? And that's, that's how we make our living. Right. So it's, it's like basically you getting fired for someone, you know, so it's, it's frustrating, but you know, at the same time, it, and I think it, it worked out both. Uh, I mean, it worked out for him in the end. He got to play and stuff like that. And then I think that he retired the year after that anyways, to pursue his career and finance and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, and obviously with Ontario, you're playing with your buddies. You guys are lighting the world on fire for a couple months there. Um, you score that shootout goal. Was that in the midst of uh, like the, it, for those of you who don't know, the, Colton scored a viral shootout goal. It was like a spinorama that I'm sure you've probably seen it and everyone listening's probably seen it, but like that was that thing went literally viral, like everywhere it was on and yeah. it still gets shared to this day. Like yeah. every on the anniversary of it, was that during your guys's hot streak? And before you took that shooto attempt, were you, did, did you have that as a plan or was it just something that as you went down, you just decided to do? No, I had it as a plan. Like that happened. It was our last game before Christmas. I think that's kind of why I went viral, but yeah, I know, uh, well, if you if you if you watch the one video, like you see me before I get off, I'm like arguing with the coach because I was like, "Hey, I told like I was like Brody, I'm gonna do some like sick like some like you know here." And then Brody's like, "Yeah, man, do it." And the coach is like, "Yellow, we need this win. Like, don't like don't piss around, here, right?" So I was like, "I was like, it's like, oh, if you have some shit, like, should I do it? Should I not?" I was like, "Ah, screw it, I'm just gonna do it." So I went down there, and yeah, I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it did, it, if it didn't work out, it wouldn't look very good. <laughs> well, now they don't even allow the spinorama, right? Because, I mean, they say it goes backwards. But at the time, that was like, that goal was so sick because, yeah, guys are trying stupid shit now in the shootout. And I shouldn't say stupid shit. It's highly skilled stuff that guys yeah. can do now. But, I mean, back then when you did that attempt, that was like the tail end of if you mess that up, like your coach said, it's frowned yeah. upon big time. Like you're getting in shit if you don't score that the way you did oh, it. For, for you to have the confidence to go down and do it, like that's 100%, just one hundred percent. The one hundred percent getting shit for sure. So I mean, like I said, I guess I don't have to realize now it worked out. So I don't, I don't know the wrath of what I would have got, but yeah, it definitely wouldn't have been good. 
Especially if we would have lost a shootout, then it would be worse. But if we got lucky and won it, then it probably wouldn't be as bad. But probably wouldn't get to shoot in a shootout for a while after that. <laughs> and you guys did win that game, right? Yeah, we won that game, yeah. Okay, so that makes it even better. <laughs> yeah. And that year you went up to play in the A, right? Uh, with yeah, I did. the LA Kings farm team, the, which at that time was the Manchester Monarchs. And now they have flip-flopped and Ontario's the AHL team and the Monarchs are the East Coast Hockey League team. But uh, what was it like going up? And you lit the world on fire in the A too. Yeah, you know, I, I went up there and I, I got fortunate. I was very fortunate to the circumstances I got. Because you see a lot of guys get called to the coast. They end up going up there and they play like the third, fourth line role, you know, maybe as skilled guys in the post. I'm like, guys aren't going to succeed that way, right? So I actually said no at first. I said, no, I don't want to go because I've seen that happen to so many guys. And like, I think I had, I had 36 goals in 46 games in the coast at the time. So I wanted to get to 50. So I was like, okay, like I want to get to 50, right? That was my goal. So, and then, yeah. So I, I said, no, they's like, no, no. Like they're, they're trading their second line winger to New Jersey, I think it was, and they're bringing you up to play in the top six. I was like, okay. So I went there and like, I think I had 11 points in my first 10 games. Like I went up there and like, it was awesome. Like, and you know, I got to play with Jordan Wheel and Cozen. Yeah. So like I had two very skilled players I had to play with and stuff like that. And they're both young. So it was, I think they were, they were both younger than me. They're 22, 23 at the time. Oh, Jordan Wheel was, I mean, he didn't exactly light it up in the NHL, but boy, like minor leagues, he was, I think he led the league in scoring a couple of years, right? In the AHL. I th- yeah. A couple maybe or, or top five for sure. Yeah, he was. And I, I remember him in junior too, an unreal talent, like a lot of skill and yeah. Cozen, obviously like a lot of people in Southern Alberta will remember Brandon Cozen when he played for the Hitman and he was a heck of a talent. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was good. And like, like I said, like I, for me, it was a, it ended up being like that year ended up, everything that year worked out in the right way, right? Like just the situations I was in, like being Ontario, getting to play with on the top line and then getting called up and playing the top two lines in the A. So it just worked out for me very well. And, and a couple other guys on that team, right, were Tyler Toffoli and uh, Tanner Pearson. And I mean, and Martin Jones too, actually, who is having a heck of a year with Seattle. So, what was it like yeah, playing? The first, the, the first line was Linden. The first line was Linden Bay, Tyler Toffoli, and Tanner Pearson. So they all had pretty good careers in the NHL, I'd say. Linden yeah. Bay is doing really well in the KHL now, but yeah, they all went on playing in the NHL and stuff. So they had a good young team. I think they won it two years later or three years later. They won the Calder Cup when they. Oh, wow. their first, I think their first or second year. Yeah, two two years later, I think they ended up winning the whole thing. Well, and I, I remember hearing, like, uh, when Chris played with Toffoli and those guys in L.A., they said they couldn't believe how good you were. And they are like, they couldn't believe that, or at least Chris tells this story, that they couldn't believe that you never played a game in the NHL with the talent you had. And I think that that just goes to show how good of a player you really are. And one thing that really blew my mind when I was looking at everything last night, like, I, I know how good of a player you are personally, knowing you and stuff i know how good you are but like and i always knew you lit it up going places but the craziest thing to me looking at your stats is you literally are a point per game player your entire pro career like to have 882 points in 885 pro games and those if you take away 
those Champions League and the like the European Cup, you're over a point a game, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, I, like I said, that's I take a take a pride in like, you know, trying to be a point per game player and stuff like that. And you know, I just just working hard right here, I guess, right? And just, you know, it's like I said, it's yeah, it's just pride and just trying to be that, you know, like, like I said, I've been some I've been on some good teams and stuff too, with some good linemen and stuff, right? It's just I've had a pretty good career where like being the right it's somehow I always end up in the right situation. Like that's almost where I end up where I needed to be at the time, you know. So it's it's really worked out for me. So you go to the A, light it up, play in the playoffs there, end your season there, and then you you end up going over to Europe. What made the decision to jump over to Europe? Was it a good offer or just a good place you've familiar with going back to Austria? Uh well, I, I wasn't sure. My agent at the time was saying that, like, like that Manchester wanted to sign me, but I hadn't heard anything back from him. It was, like, July 1st, July 2nd. I was like, hey, well, obviously nothing's happening. And then I got a really good offer that was tough to, like, turn down, you know, to, you know, for maybe end up in the coast. And I didn't want to end up in the coast again. So, so yeah, I just didn't and, like, got to play a good, a good team there and stuff. So it was good. Well, and that – I can't remember if it was, well, it was the, wasn't the year right then, but a couple of years later, you end up winning the league MVP and your team didn't win that year, but you guys went on a healthy run, right? Like it was the second or third round. You guys were knocked out. Uh, we lost in the final. Oh, final. Okay. Red Bull. Yeah. We lost in the final against Red Bull. Uh, what was it like being MVP of that league? Cause that is one of the top leagues in the world. It was, it was awesome, man. Like it was, it was awesome. It was great. Like you know, to be recognized as like one of you know the, I guess the MVP of the league, right? It was unreal. Like, but like, people don't know. Like, I went to the Czech team there, and there's so much skill in Czech. And then like, I was the only import for the longest time there, like for four or five months. I almost didn't go because they said they're going to sign two more imports, but they didn't. And so I ended up showing up late because I was trying to get out of my contract. But then at the end, I was like, hey, I'll go and. It just worked out, like I said, really well. Those Czech guys treated me like one of their own. It was awesome. Like that, went over dinners and stuff like that. One of the families put me on their phone plan. <laughs> so they, they, yeah, so they, they took care of me, man. It was awesome. And, but yeah, it was awesome. Like, it just seemed everything that year just went right, like injury wise, and just you know some of the balances I would I would get and stuff. I like, just ended up going right for me that year, and it's just one of those years that just like I said, everything just went right. What, uh, who are your line mates that year for the majority of it? Anyway, I know it probably fluctuated throughout the year, but who is one or two uh, kind of had a go to with David, David Bartos and Andre Shedevy? Is Bartos Slovak or no? No, he's Czech. He's Czech. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking of a different uh, kind of sim, I think his last name might be Bakos actually, but he, there's a Slovak guy. Anyway, similar kind of name, but. Okay, Bartos, Czech guy, and uh, and what was the other name? Sorry, Andre Shedevy. Okay, I've heard that name yeah. too. But yeah, they they played a bunch of they played most of the careers in that league on that team and stuff. So there are two younger guys too. Well, I shouldn't say they were twenty five. I was twenty seven, I think, at the time. So I say younger, but they weren't too much younger. <laughs> hey, that's that's yeah. It's, it's good you had a great time there though because. Yeah, it can't be easy for 
I mean, you, you've always kind of been a homebody and to go yeah. to a place like that and not have any North Americans there with you is probably, yeah, like you said, it was a tough decision to make to even go there and then to get treated like that. They're like, we're getting this guy on your phone, on our phone plan because we can't afford to lose him. No, it was, it, it was actually, it was almost better. There's no imports. They made sure everything was okay. They flew me home because you get those two, 11 day breaks or 14 day breaks in November and February. So they flew me home both times. So I got to go home for seven days to see my family and stuff. And it was almost better to be the only import because you just focused on hockey. Like I'd go to the rink in the morning, practice, whatever. And then I'd go home, relax, and I'd go to the gym in the afternoon and work out and stuff. Right. That was my routine. So that's all I did for pretty much eight months was just that because there's nothing else. And that it was, it's such a hockey like country. Like the fans, they were insane. The drums and stuff like that, and just cheering the whole time. It's if you ever watch a soccer game on TV, it's like the exact same way at those games. Yeah, Austria, and people wouldn't think that. I don't think about Austria because, like, they're not a elite elite hockey nation. They're getting there. They got some good up and coming yeah. players, but well, one guy is going to go in the first round this year. The one defenseman, he plays in the Swiss league, and he's actually like, yeah half a point D-man, David Reinbacher, I think is his name, but like they, they're going to be a better hockey nation. And for you to see them kind of before that transition of now they're starting to really develop some high end talent. That's uh, pretty cool that, especially to have that fan base, you see, even at the world juniors, yeah, they're losing 10, nothing, but there's people from Austria who travel to North America to watch the world juniors too. Oh yeah. I know the hockey culture there is definitely growing a lot especially like you know i've played in that league for eight years and from the first year to like my last year it was it's definitely growing a lot the players are getting better and they're they're just taking more pride in developing their players now right and that's and i think they're they're going to every year they're going to less and less imports in that league because they want to promote like their younger players and you know they want to develop so it's good to see them move in the right direction uh, yeah that's it it i kind of i love seeing the gap close as much as Canadians always want to see Canada win like it's great to see the gap in hockey because it grows the game right like having those other countries turn into better competition it it grows the game and uh it would be great to see Austria up there in some type of big tournament whether they win or medal or come close to medaling it'd be awesome to see that and they're they're getting there right they got some good players coming up so Good to see that. And then, I mean, you go to Slovakia eventually and you end up playing with more Southern Alberta guys, right? You play with Mitch Versteeg. Um, you got uh, Judd was on your team, Judd Blackwater. Yeah. And, well, actually, Chris Versteeg signed there. I mean, <laughs> he signed there, but what, he played two games? Like, yeah, three games. <laughs> you were so yeah. pumped that he plays two games with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, like he was, he was the big reason I went there, right? Cause he's, he told me he's going there, you know, cause he, he kind of half retired that summer. And he said, he said, no, I'm going to go play the last like three, four months with my brother. And I was like, okay, yeah, for sure. And, and you know, grass wasn't working out and, you know, we needed a change and then just worked out the right way that we ended up all being together and stuff. It was a lot of fun. Chris didn't spend a whole lot of time there. He was there for like three weeks and he'd go home for like a week and then come back for three weeks and stuff. Like you said, he only played three games. He went to the, at Christmas time, he went to the Spangler Cup and broke his foot. So, I mean, that kind of ended his, kind of ended his career, I'd say. Yeah. After that. I don't, I don't think he played after that, to be honest. 
no, no. I yeah, I think I think he maybe played one more game with you guys and just uh, just to, as like a lap a lap to say I'm done. <laughs> but, yeah, I think yeah, I think he played the last game. That, well, it was a COVID year too, right? Yeah, exactly. Everything got shut down. You guys didn't even yeah. play playoffs, right? Or you maybe played? No, a... no, no. Yeah. We didn't play. No, we didn't, we didn't finish the season. I think we had four or five games left in the season still. Jeez, that, that, it's so wild to think that. Like, well, what was it like when you guys were in that situation? Because you were over in Slovakia, and it was like, I remember kind of thinking when the whole COVID outbreak happened that it kind of the first places to kind of lock down was Europe. So you guys were kind of almost got ahead of it compared to over here. And then you guys, was it like instant, rapid trying to look for flights to get home, or what was like the whole? Yeah, situation? it was. So it kind of came about, and then like nobody thought much of it for the first couple of weeks, right? Everyone was like, whatever, whatever. And then, then it got bad, and like uh, Slovakia was actually in the sh- they're shutting their borders, so they had like I think they had twenty four hours to get us out of there. So we had to like so they like made a decision to cancel the league or whatever, and they're like, hey, well, the borders are closing tomorrow at like noon, so you guys basically got to be out of here by tomorrow. So. Yeah, the finest flights to, from Austria because we flew from Vienna, Austria, so we had to find flights out of there right away. And it's like that last like eighteen hours was the hassle, like getting everything packed and all that stuff. You know, it was it was crazy. Uh, it was a crazy time. That's wild to get like how quick you guys had to get out of there to pack all your shit. Yeah. I mean, it sucks packing to move a block. Never mind packing to your whole place to get out of a country you're not going to return for for who knows how long. Right. So, I mean, you had to get out of there in a hurry and it ends up now where you are, you're in England, you've been there, this is your second year there. And what's it like been playing hockey in England? You know, it, it it's good. It, it's kind of like, a, it's more like a, it's like an older East coast, basically how it's ran here. So it's kind of some of the East coast, but just a lot of the older guys who are, you know, obviously like 27, 28 who, and a lot, it, a lot of teams give out school packages. Yeah. So you can like play here and get, and finish your education, which is like, that's pretty cool. So a lot of guys are doing that. And it, it's, you know, some of the cities have really good fans and some don't. It's just, it's growing, but it's, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how big it'll ever really get here, but it, it's awesome, man. Like I got to play uh, in Scotland last year in Glasgow. You know, I got to go play St. Andrews, Carnoustie, Royal Troon. You know, I got to go play some sick golf course and stuff like that. And, and it's nice to play somewhere where they speak English again, you know. Yeah. <laughs> most of my career where no one speaks English, so it's it's nice. And a lot of North Americans, like we have 14 on our team, so it's, it's good It's good that way, right? You know. Well, uh, and the one thing about England is you talk about the scholarships they kind of give out in that league, and a lot of guys – go over formerly cis but u sports it's called now a lot of guys from that league in canada they end up going over to england because of the scholarship program and whereas they can get their masters or whatever right and i know one name on your team i'm sure there's probably more than that but mitch cook who played at the ufc university of Calgary for the dinos um so what's what's he like as a player over there is he pretty good player in that league or Middle yeah, he's really good. He, no, he's 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 yeah. Well, there's only there's only three lines here, so okay. Yeah, like I said, it's pretty much it's pretty much the East Coast, right? It's ran the same way and everything like that. And no, he's a really good player. But yeah, you're right. There's a lot of those CIS guys that come over just yeah, like I said because of that pack to get their masters and stuff. Play a couple of years before you know, play a couple of years, have fun before they have to you know before they go play. 
to go to the actual get an actual job and stuff. I, I guess pocket's a job, but I call it an actual job sometimes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I mean, there's there's still you're still an actual job, I consider it. But I get what you're yeah. I get what you're saying. And I guess to backtrack to last year, you played with a couple, well, a couple former CIS guys. Jamie Crooks was there. Um, I'm trying to think of the other name, but then another guy who wasn't a former CIS guy, but um, a Sasky boy. And from everything I've heard, one of the toughest human beings you'll ever meet is uh, Dyson Stevenson. So, oh, yeah, that guy is nails. The guy what do you got for stories about him? Oh, he's just an awesome guy. Like, you know, I just. He's, the, he's actually coaching there now because their coach got fired. So he's like the coach in the Glasgow team now. It's, it's kind of funny. Coach player, you know, Reds Dunlop. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know if the young listeners know who Reds Dunlop is. But, yeah, no, he's like a Reds Dunlop. Yeah, he's awesome. Just a great guy. Like, great leader. He was our captain last year. Great leader. Like, this. But And we'll go to go to bat for you. Like, like yeah, you said toughest guy. Like, he'll back up any of his players and stuff. And just a great guy away from me. It's just a typical country guy, you know. Country boy, sass, farm boy, you know. So, I was, uh, I was yeah, up. There's a few stories, but I don't think we'll be able to tell them on here, you know. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's, <laughs> I was with one of his buddies, uh, up in Calgary. I had no idea they were buddies, but I was up in Calgary a few weeks ago and he was telling stories about Dyson Stevenson and not like we weren't talking about England or anything, but he said, I can't remember how it started, but he started talking about him and he was telling me some crazy stories about how tough he is and apparently just like a gentle guy outside of yeah. the, like one of the best guys ever but i mean he gets in that state where if a teammate something happens to a teammate or whatever and he needs to back him up he's not oh, a yeah. to drop the gloves and if you're the guy on the other end it probably isn't too much fun yeah there's not much defense in his fights that's for sure it's usually pretty toe-to-toe in his fights so <laughs> oh i i yeah, I'm I think he, he played for Regina Pass, I think, in the WHL. I think that's who he played for. Yeah, as a Gregan played with him, actually. Okay, yeah. And, yeah, he was – you're right, no defense in his fights, though. Like, I remember yeah. him and his – I don't know if he still got the long hair, but his hair was flapping everywhere when he'd be in his fights, and it was just bomb after bomb. There was no hold yeah. <laughs> yeah, his hair's a little shorter now. He had, he had some long hair last year, but I think he's trimmed it up now. <laughs> what what uh what was the okay when you golfed in scotland like at those courses how different was it playing those compared to um playing over here like how big of an adjustment was it to have to land it 30 yards short and roll it out or or were the greens like not too not too hard that time of year uh they weren't too hard that time of year but they said yeah you have to land like it's different you at least you land balls like 30 yards short of the green but it's a little roll forever right and stuff like that and then you know and just the links like the rough if you missed a fairway on some of those courses you can't find your ball like you might just, there's no point even trying like it's, it's nuts like how thick that fair the rough star and stuff like that and it's just right on the ocean it's just it was awesome like st andrews isn't like a great great course but it's just so much history right and that's the biggest thing like like if you went to golf if, if you didn't no, it was St. Andrews when golf, you're like, oh, this is a normal course. But yeah. like, because that's so much history, it's amazing to be able to golf there. I, I'm not that way, but I've always said, I mean, I understand there's so much history at St. Andrews, and you would probably rather because you've been there and stuff, but I would rather pay 
the same price to play Pebble than I would the same price to play Sam Andrews. Personally, I just like that Pebble style of golf. But I mean, yeah. if I had the chance to play St. Andrews, I mean, I would do it for sure. But it just the history there would just be remarkable. But you're right. It's not like it's not like a picturesque, amazing golf course. It's just the history there, right? Yeah, exactly. Like you said, yeah, Pebble Beach is definitely like like a way nicer, like more of a touristy course for sure, right? Like, but it's just it's different over here. Like all the courses over here are older, right? They're all older links courses and stuff. And if it's windy, it's crazy. <laughs> it's tough to play if it's windy. When when you golf like St Andrews and Carnoustie and those places, do you realize like? how much the fans save those guys shots when they're playing in major championships. Cause when you played that, you say the rough is long. I mean, I'm sure they probably even grow it even more for when those guys are there, but like, do you realize how much the fans save those guys golf balls? Oh, for sure. Like, I mean, just, you just have those people spot your ball. Like when the lines are off to find it, right. There's, you can miss it. There's no way you're finding that ball, but you know, that's, it's crazy. And like it, I play because they, St. Andrews hosted the Open this last year, right? So we got to play it before, and then they're just starting to set up. I think it looks so much different on TV than, like, actually playing the course because all the grandstands and stuff like that are – they're not there, right? So, like, it's crazy to see all the grandstands getting put up, and it, it looks way different for sure. Like, when you say it looks way different, obviously the grandstand, but just the golf course in general too, like the setup of it and stuff? Yeah, this, it looks – just yeah, it doesn't – it looks harder, <laughs> Yeah, yeah it actually is yeah Did, how'd you play when you played it uh, i shot four over i think holy shit you yeah. shoot, it was, shoot it was, better at st andrews than you do the country club with me <laughs> yeah. but it was like i mean rockier, so like it was it was a little bit easy playing obviously we were playing from the tips right like yeah. the tips aren't set up the tip where the pros play from they're set up a couple of the holes but for the most part they're not on all the holes you're playing from Basically, like the white tees, you know. So it's it's short, right? If you just if you hit the fairway and hit greens, but you can shoot pretty low there. Yeah, that that makes sense. And, and was it windy the day you played it, or pretty calm? No, it was pretty calm. It was like twenty kilometer winds. It was, we got lucky. Like it was it was end up being a nice day when we got to play. So that's sweet. That's good. Good stuff. Um, so you're finishing up in England, probably a few more rounds of golf uh, <laughs> before maybe you fly home, but. Uh, what what's the rest of the season outlook for you? Uh, I think we have eight games, like seven or eight games left. Just get through the games and you know try and enjoy this last month or so and stuff. Because I don't I don't know if I'm gonna play next year, right? So you just never know. So I'm trying to enjoy enjoy their last couple months. I think we have five weeks left. Enjoy that and stuff, and just just you know a little under point per game right now. So try to get back to a point per game by the end of the season and stuff like that. So just. And obviously, I want to win a championship. You know, it'd be great to win. We have a great group of guys here. Coach is a great guy and stuff like that. So it'd be it'd be awesome to win, especially like one of the lower budget teams in the league. It'd be nice to like you know win that title. That would, yeah, it'd be sweet. I mean, do you, do you have plans to play next year? Like, do you want to keep playing, or you haven't really fully decided yet? Because I mean, you still you only got a hundred and some games till you get to that thousand game mark in pro hockey, which is. Like, yeah, 100 games doesn't sound like a lot, but it, for how many miles you put on your body, that is a lot, actually. But yeah, I'm not sure. You know, like I said, I'm just trying to get through this year and then I'll, you know, figure it out in the summer and stuff and see how I feel, see how the mind is, see if, you know, I still have that drive to play or not. Right. So I still have it right now. So, you know, you never know. But 
Yeah, we'll just, we'll just see how the season ends and see how the, how the summer goes. You got some uh, native tournament lines up when you get back? Oh, yeah, there's a few a few tournaments I got to go play in. So, can, can you give the listeners a description of kind of how those tournaments are? Because I think a lot of people just assume, oh, it's just a, some normal four-on-four tournament. But how big for the reserves and the native people, like how big those tournaments actually are? Yeah, those tournaments are huge. There's a lot of like natives have a lot of pride, right? The first nations have a lot of pride. So like you go play in those tournaments, it's it's good hockey. Like I know people should, like all like all the pros that are back will go play in those tournaments. Especially that Fred Saska Moose tournament. Yeah. The Saskatoon. There's 40, 40 teams in that, right? All over from north from Nunavut down to like New Brunswick to BC. Like it's the best teams, the best of the best go play in that tournament. They call it the like the Canadian championships, right? Like if you win that, like we won it last year with Norway House, me and Judd, right? That's the second time they won it. We're considered like the, the they're they're considered the best team, best native team in Canada, right? So well it, last- it's it's huge, man. It's huge. It's those native tournaments like so much pride. It's huge. And they're getting bigger and bigger every year. Well and and you say like how big that one is. I was just gonna say like last year too, did Ethan Bear and Brady Keeper, they both played, right? Uh Ethan Bear didn't play last year, but Brady Keeper did, yeah. Okay. Ethan, Ethan Bear's played a couple of years ago. Same with uh, White from Vegas. He's played in it a couple of times. White from Vegas. I'm trying to think what one that is. Number two. Number two. Oh, White Cloud. White Cloud. White Cloud. Yeah, sorry. White Cloud. Yeah, he played. Yeah. In it, like. He's a good He's a good player. Really good player. Yeah, really good. Yeah. But, I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's getting bigger and bigger every year. Bigger names are starting to come, you know, like. Jordan Tutu sent a team last year. I think Jonathan T- Chichu sent in a team this year. Ted Nolan was there. Wow, that's that's cr- yeah. and, and you know, like I'm sure if his health could do it, I'm sure Furland would be there being a guy yeah. who played junior a bit in Saskatoon. I'm sure yeah. he would be there. And yeah, like well, the white yeah, the white king plays in it all the time. You know, yeah, so. that, it's getting bigger and bigger for sure. That's cool. And it just it just goes to show the amount of talent, right? Like and, yeah, exactly. And like you mentioned, like there's starting to become more and more First Nation players in the NHL and in pro hockey, which is great to see. And I know you help out at camps and give back whenever you can. And what's it like for you when you have when you well not have to when you decide to go and help out in those camps? It's awesome. It's it's awesome to see, like, you know, see the kids, you know, you go every year, you get to see the kids, see how they've improved throughout the year and stuff like that, you know, and just to see the drive those kids have now too, right? right? Knowing that, like, they, they, they can make a career out of it, right? You know, back, like, when I was younger, like, you just didn't know, right? But now, like, the kids are like, no, we can, you know, you've done it, we've seen other players do it, you know, other Native players do it and stuff like that. So it's good to see that, and, you know, the parents, you know, are, it's good to, like, people understand how much, your career relies on your parents. Like your parents have to support you and, you know, drive you places and, you know, put, take their time and their money and put it into you. Like it's, it's a lot of work for the parents. I give parents and guys that play any kind of, any, any top level hockey, man, they, their parents are a huge part of it. Yeah. It's expensive. It's not a uh, easy and it's getting more expensive. The more it is now, even than it, when it was when we were growing up. Right. So it's like, it it's harder and harder for the low income families to do it. So, I mean, any help that any low income people can get, or just hockey camps in general can get from that little bit of teaching goes a long way. 
Oh, for sure. And like you said, yeah, I, I, it's crazy expensive how hockey is how expensive hockey is now, man. Like it's nuts. You uh, you see what a driver's going for now? The biggest driver. Yeah. That's like eight hundred, isn't it? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Crazy. Yeah. Like how how do you how do you get people to afford things like that? Is just it's it's hard to grow a game when or any game yeah. in that matter when things are that expensive, right? So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, like I said it's all sports are getting crazy expensive now. And I, I guess kind of my last question for you is you talk about, and there's plenty of role models now and with uh, first nation hockey players that have gone on to play pro careers or NHL or whatever. And you and Wasey rabbit, one of your good buddies has been doing, Wasey's doing a ton now as assistant coach with the Saskatoon blades. But um, who is one guy that you guys as a whole, or maybe even just yourself kind of looked up to, when you were growing up, because there probably wasn't that many guys to look up to back then. No, you know, actually, yeah, there wasn't that many guys, but I mean, just looked up to my parents. My dad is hard, one of the hardest working guys I've seen. So I just try to, you know, work as hard as he can. And like, you know, they're taking their time and stuff, uh, their time and money just for me. So I, you know, don't, don't want to make it a waste. But a big guy, like, I really looked up to was Clay Plume, the late Clay Plume. He passed away a couple of years ago now and you know he was he was a guy i really looked up to especially he played for the hurricanes when i was younger too you know to see him play there and then i got a chance to play with play with him actually and stuff to get under his wing and stuff so i'd say he was a big guy i looked up to for sure with him. that's awesome yeah it sad what happened to him too and i didn't know him as well as you did but seemed like a really nice guy and yeah. uh yeah just sad but i'm sure I mean, he's helping you every step of the way where you're playing now and he'll be always with you. And a guy that I'm sure, even though he's not here, he's here helping you. Right. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, well, Colton, I really appreciate you coming on and you, you, uh, I love your story and just, I love uh, following your hockey career and uh, we'll, we'll stay in touch because yeah, I just I, I loved our interview. Is it, it was awesome to chat with you and wish yeah. you all the best the rest of the year. Hope you can get that championship. Yeah, hopefully. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure I'll see you on the golf course sometime this summer.